Welcome to 97 Floor Radio. You're listening to an episode in the Mastermind Interview Series. Welcome to the Mastermind Interview Series. Let me tell you a little bit about it. We kicked off our first ever Mastermind in January 2018 with none other than best-selling author Seth Godin. And we're continuing the conversation right here with a series of interviews with some incredible thought leaders and visionaries. So if you want to learn more from the people running some of the biggest brands around, stick around and be sure to subscribe. We'll drop a new episode in the series every single week. In this episode, we're talking to TAF CEO, Corey Stevens, about what it took to find startup success on a dime. From his own experiences, Corey shares the ups, the downs, and the secrets of funding a startup without the startup funds. He shares humor, confidence, and heart, and gives us a sample of what it's like to start a business when the cash distribution isn't totally in our favor. Let's jump in. Corey, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Namely because Taft, what I've seen, it's a beautiful brand. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done so far. So let's start at the beginning though, um, because when I was looking at your background, the fact that you started this clothing company and because your background is in not that, it's in criminal intelligence and linguistics, which is is super interesting and research, like all this kind of mixed together. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, a lot of people kind of ask like, so how did you get into footwear? It's like, I have no idea. Uh, Footwear found me. Yeah. (laughs) So I, my mom was a fashion designer when I was little. Oh. And so she would make a lot of our clothes. That's mm. what she studied. She made sure that we looked good and everything. So I, I would say that it, the appreciation for fashion definitely started when I was a little kid. Um, but yeah, educationally, my background's in linguistics. I studied linguistics. Um, and then I interned with the Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> And so, so legit. Yeah, yeah, super That's cool. A serious tough role. to get into. Yeah, uh, but I quickly realized that that was not what I wanted to do. Like it was uh, really boring. Um, no, I think everyone thinks of like these um, espionage like yeah, videos. There's or, or, there's or, like, a few <laughs> people that do that kind of stuff, but then there's mostly people just kind of sitting behind computer yeah. and going through data and and so I. I was about to graduate from school mm. in a, with a linguistics degree, and I was like, what in the world do I do? I was looking at, like, US, US Youth Soccer Organization, mm-hmm. uh, State Department, um, but I ultimately decided to start Taft instead of anything else. But what was the original idea of Taft? Was it, okay, here's a hole in the marketplace, or was it, I just really want to do something super fun? Well, my wife was pregnant. And so with our first, and so I, I really wanted to be able to be with her and mm-hmm. with my son as often as possible. And so I realized that like all these, you know, government jobs, a lot of time you're like traveling. And, and so I decided, we decided together that we wanted to start something. Um, but the original idea was actually uh, no show socks. Oh. So we started with like like you would be wearing today. Yeah, like, like what I have on today. Instead of I best invention. Yeah, ever. I grew up. I always like stole my mom's like we call them peds, like yep. a little like sheer That's the brand, nylon. Yeah. 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 So we I would like steal her little socks and wear them. And then as I got older and older, uh, I realized that there weren't really any masculine no show socks. Mm. And so this was before like Stance got into their no shows or or some of the other competitors now. So we actually started. Taft was just no-show socks. Mm. And and so then after we started about a year and a half later, we launched shoes. 
Okay. So that was in 2013 when you started. 2014. Taft with yeah. the no-show socks. That's right. Okay. And then socks was, two, or sorry, shoes was 2016. And then where did the shoes like come into play? Was it just a natural progression? Well, we, so we launched socks, but, but socks is, is such a low price point. The reason why we started with that was because it's pretty low risk, super cheap to produce, um, easy. I was just like going to the local university, learning how to use like Adobe Illustrator and trying to design socks for the first time. Um, but then we realized that like, you know, we're getting a lot of, we're getting a big following on social media. This is definitely like a socially driven brand, but socks are such a low price point that if we want to be really huge, uh, we got to sell something else besides just like a really polarizing niche, no show sock for men. Mm -hmm. And so the first year and a half, we just sold socks and we grew our social media following and our email list as big as we could. And then a year and a half later, we launched shoes. And then the shoes that you create, I mean, they're lux a luxury line. Yeah. They're sourced from Spain. Yeah, yeah Spain and Portugal. Spain and Portugal. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine your research background came into play in terms of to finding. Find a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, thankfully we had, um, we had like 200,000 Instagram followers oh. uh, before we launched shoes. That's awesome. So we had lots of we had a lot of shoe factories hitting us up on social media, like, hey, let us let us make you shoes, let us make shoes for you. Mm -hmm. And so then when it finally came time to like, you know what, actually like, we should make shoes. I just turned to social media and like, started doing my own digging on some of these factories, figuring out who produces there. Um, and then we, 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 the factories that we make with now were actually both found through Instagram. So kind of interesting. <laughs> that is crazy that that, yeah. but you say specifically you focus on offering bold, high quality designs for a fraction of the retail price. Yeah. Those are some state, like those eat in, in and of themselves, like offering a really beautiful design, high quality, mm -hmm. and then at a, you know, a fraction of the retail price. That's a huge undertaking. Yeah. I mean, at first I thought that the just being direct consumer mm -hmm. would be enough of a selling point for people, but there's so many direct consumer brands now that 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 the value proposition in a direct consumer brand isn't that unique anymore. Mm -hmm. And so then quality quality um, isn't proprietary to Taft. You know you can produce good quality stuff at a lot of places. And so as we've grown and grown, the unique designs are becoming increasingly more and more important because that's truly what sets us apart. Quality, the price, the value, those are, you can copy those things. Uh -huh. uh, but the designs are what are what what get people on the door and then the quality and the value proposition keep them buying their second and third and fourth pairs. But the most important thing right now is definitely our designs. It, yeah, I think I would recognize a Taft shoe. Yeah, that's the looking. goal, that's the goal. We don't wanna be, there's so much noise of like plain brown, plain black, Captos, Oxfords, and tip. It's like so many brands doing the same thing at so many different price points. And so I try and design really special stuff. Yeah. And do you think that your design will stand the test of time or will there be new iterations in order to be like more, I guess, trendy? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that there's a lot of companies that design like crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a fine line between like crazy and like classic and timeless and beautiful fashion forward yeah, yeah. <laughs> like fashion forward but but not like 
crazy trendy you know like there, there's some companies here um they make like pizza onesies and unicorn pajamas you know like crazy trendy very temporary things uh -huh. and i think that our shoes are appropriate for any occasion for a very long time mm -hmm. so we're not like they're not crazy off the wall orange and blue and green they're, they're not like crazy they're like very classy very timeless um but bold and unique so it's a fine line but i think that we've found the timelessness of like of our designs i think you have too because i think i can imagine it placing really well from new york city to portland or yeah like, yeah i could see your line just showing up anywhere yeah we're we there's not one spot of the country that we're successful like we are successful across the whole country and i think that that's because we're not going after a specific niche trend we're just mm -hmm. going after unique men's footwear and how much of that as an entrepreneur was intentional and how much of that was happenstance <laughs> uh i think that i naturally just gravitate towards the unique stuff like yeah if, I can like see if, I, that if i'm in like in. if i'm in like nordstrom rack i all like the thing i like is always the most expensive thing without without looking at the tag it's like always some dope brand super mm -hmm. expensive um so my personal style kind of takes me that direction and i'm designing the shoes so naturally the shoes are going to kind of go that direction but a lot of it i didn't set out to make like the most unique footwear brand uh, so I would say that it's it's a lot of uh, chance, but now I've leaned into it, and I, I you know I I didn't know what we were going to be when I started, but now we're kind of finding ourselves and and leaning into what makes us special. Now, in in starting your company originally with the no show socks, was I mean, what was the learning curve like? Or like, was there some failures along the way that um, in that correcting course kind of led to you being better situated to run something like the, the shoes and that luxury. I mean, the socks were kind of like a really cheap, uh, low risk way to try it out. Yeah. Um, Cause I was, it was the same design mentality of like unique, cool for guys, um, make them get noticed, help them get compliments and attention. Mm -hmm. So that was the same mentality I was taking with the socks. Um, so it definitely helped to test it out and see if it was going to work before, you know, we went from socks, which cost, you know, 50 to a dollar, 50 cents to a dollar to make. And our shoes cost like $150 to make. And mm -hmm. so it was, it was a low, lower financial risk for us. Um, but yeah, there were plenty of failures <laughs> like it. I think on social media it really makes it look like this great story yeah and any press we get or, or even this is going to make taft look like you know overnight success without much effort or failing uh but failure is definitely a part of our story and uh, we wouldn't be here without learning those important lessons from failure before yeah and the fact that you went into it with mallory your wife mm -hmm. um you know what was that like i mean starting a company yeah. With your significant other, there's people who will warn you That's right. against yeah. that. But then there's also the some of the greatest relationship, like it reinforces the relationship. Yeah, I think it, it helped me to see what type of marriage we had. Because mm. I think that there's some, I mean, a lot of people warned me against it. I'm sure. And uh, 
but it helped me to see like, no, we, we do have the type of relationship where we can work professionally together and it's okay. Like we're stable enough at home and, and we're stable enough in the workplace that, that we could do both. Um, it was some of, we have some really special memories together. Like one that comes to mind is I have this picture of my wife on Christmas Eve with the Christmas tree in the background off, off in the distance. And she's sitting at a computer answering customer service emails with a baby asleep on her, on her chest. And like, it's just has the makings of like a really sweet family memory and family story. Yeah. And so there were times that it was tough, certainly um, tough, but it also meant that we could pretty much work on the business 24 seven because we're, if we're not at work, we're at home together and we can still work on it. We can still talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, there's definitely lots of stories of failures and it causing a lot of tension within a marriage. But for us, it was great. I, there's no better employee. There's no one I'd rather hire than my wife. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, we have, we have, uh, two kids. We're pregnant with our third right now. And so she's no longer actively involved, like in the office business. Um, she's CEO of a whole other business. Yeah. She's CEO of, <laughs> of, Taft strategy and my family. Oh, and so she's it. the she's the real boss, and I miss uh -huh. having her as actively involved. Oh. But I'm also grateful that we're in a position that she can, you know, as much as she blesses our business, she blesses my kids mm -hmm. much more. And so we're grateful to have her at home. Yeah, that's amazing. It's tough. I, no, no one really talks about. Um, that's a really unselfish thing for her to do like she should be here today she could be here today you know like uh forbes 30 under 30 it could very well be her up on stage speaking at these things it could be her but she made the unselfish decision of being a mother first mm -hmm. and and i know that it's hard for her sometimes and so i i appreciate her selflessness and sacrifice because you know there's a lot of cool things i get to do and, and I know that sometimes it's hard for her, but I, I, you know, wives or someone in relationships when you start a business together, eventually one of them needs to step back. And so that was her. And I'm grateful that she's willing to do that. Yeah. We, we had, um, I was talking to Johnny, he's the CEO and founder of Homey mm -hmm. and yeah. before that property solutions, which we now know is Entrada. And he spoke about his wife as being probably his best sounding board and also for sure um advisor yeah it's like even my colleagues don't know how much she's influenced the growth and trajectory of of the companies that i built yeah that's definitely true for tap too yeah like she she's not an operator in the business on a daily basis but any big decision or any pivot or any change definitely has her uh sign off on it and and she's all the ideas start with her pretty much <laughs> and i just like go do them but she's the real mastermind well i love that you you speak to that you know that you are getting well you might be getting some of those accolades that you know they can be attributed to her they, that, yeah that speaks volumes they too. definitely are that relationship that ability to work together in business that ability to have creative conflict mm -hmm. we talk a lot in 97 floor about being willing to have creative conflict with someone because it's the best way to get to the heart of what you're actually talking about, um, to get to a solution, to actually disagree with each other, you know, in order yeah. to be like, we're not here to placate anything. Like we ultimately want like a success story. 
Yeah. So I imagine that there's there's some healthy doses of creative conflict. <laughs> yeah, thankful. Honestly, thankfully, like we are pretty aligned on. Like she's just so awesome. So we don't we don't have too much of it, honestly. Mm. Um, I I usually she's just so smart. She's just so brilliant. So yeah, that, like it's like yeah, of course that's a great idea. <laughs> I agree with you. Like yes, let's do it. Um, no egos involved. I love no, this. No, 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 no. It's it, this has been. Um, this is a very starting a business is like an extremely humbling. It's, experience and so there's i don't have ego like if if someone can help i welcome it I, Long uh, yeah like i don't have an ego anymore yeah. no let's talk about some of these recent successes um it, I, I definitely want to talk about like the successes with funding but before that mm -hmm. i want to say that so you were featured on forbes yeah in august 2017 and it was uh titled bootstrapping to a million dollar startup how did that happen? Um, yeah, we've had, now we have like a PR firm mm -hmm. that, that handles it, but we were lucky. Like when you have half a million Instagram followers, uh, you know, there's bound to be like an editor or someone that's, that's a fan of the brand. Right. And so we have some good relationships with writers and contributors at, at major publications that like, that have our shoes and like the brand and want to help anyways. And so um, before there was any sort of PR firm or anything, uh, Forbes and Business Insider and um, lots of big publications have done some coverage on Taft mm -hmm. because the writers are fans of the brand. And so I think that that's one of the huge advantages of being like a social first company because we can leverage our huge audience and take the tidbits of, you know, what, what could help us from those people you know, whether it's a blogger or a professional athlete or like when you have that many followers, there's lots of cool people that follow you. And a lot of times you don't know who they are, mm -hmm. but if you reach out and you ask and you try and, um, if you try and provoke some response, like we, you know, this guy just, he was a writer for Forbes and he had some shoes and he wanted to do a piece on us. Yeah. yeah we talk about that all the time in terms of um, people ask me, well, how did you get, uh, for example, Seth Godin? Mm -hmm. We reached out. We asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's of, no like. <laughs> that was like... the formula. And then you can organize an introduction. You know, you can you can maybe kind of start the, the first iteration of like reaching out to your network and then asking them to mm -hmm. introduce you. But it, there's there's nothing overcomplicated about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and Utah... I don't know if we want to talk about Utah specifically, Absolutely, but, but it's like a crazy, like there's some crazy dope things happening <laughs> that, that people don't really know about. And so if you want an intro to Seth, like you can find it through your network. Someone knows um, someone. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. I moved up here for, for college. Um, but I'm really grateful for the network that I have here now, because like, if we need something, you can find someone that can help you. And, and here locally, I found that people are very willing to help and yeah. open up their, you know, their contact list to help. So I've, I've found the same thing. Yeah. It's not even the, the, the seven degrees of separation. No, it's like, like you two. and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> it's, it's like, like two. two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the benefit of being in a really tight knit community of, you know, what we, we've talked about before of entrepreneurs or those with that entrepreneur mindset. Yeah. They're just well connected. Yeah. I mean, even I don't, I don't come up this way often. 
Um, but even all the names on these buildings, like within the same parking lot is pretty wild. It's like, uh -huh. I've, I, it's crazy. Yeah. You could just go across the parking lot and get connected to whoever you need because there's that business or that business. Yeah. Uh, so it's, Utah is a pretty special place for entrepreneurs. And none of this was here with, I mean, even like, seven years yeah, ago. Yeah. Like five, 10 years ago. It's yeah. not even here. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So amazing things. Now let's talk about some of these recent successes in, um, regarding these rounds of funding i mean yeah let you narrate this but it's pretty huge yeah pretty we i was pretty against fundraising mm. uh like i i just you know i kind of had this like oh we don't need it we we've we've passed the fundraising stages that we, we made it already yeah and um eventually i found that starting a business is extremely lonely and and even when you have an office full of employees no one really shares the burden of being the founder and the ceo mm -hmm. with you um and so while everyone's supportive being the founder is really hard and lonely and emotionally taxing and so eventually it just got to the point where it's like i could use some guidance and emotional support like, let's just get together this team of like wonderful, wonderful people that can support me in good, bad, or in good times or bad times. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what we did. We, you know, I brushed aside uh, any pride. You know, I just talked about how I'm not prideful, but you know, I had to, I had to get over like, okay, let's, let's actually. Well, uh, it's something you've owned and you, I mean, you've I mean, there's, a piece, there's another piece on Forbes that's, yeah, like, there's a piece in Forbes about uh how to bootstrap your way to 20 million or something that i wrote mm -hmm. and uh then to like kind of hypocritically go back on that it's like actually we're raising and here's why you're just uh, feeling all the feels yeah I mean. <laughs> yeah so i so we in march we closed around a seed round of funding mm -hmm. um led by kickstart here locally uh kickstart seed fund led the round we have uh some just the best men i know forget forget their professional successes like we have the best people in our corner now, um, most of them being here local. Uh, we have Jeremy Andrus, Aaron Sconard, Davis Smith, Nate Quigley. Like these dudes are just, you know, I would, uh, I would let them babysit my kids. Like they're just the best guys. And then we also have um, Dwayne Wade and Andre Iguodala from the NBA. Um, and then a few other funds, Peterson, another local fund, M3 out of New York, Fifth Wall in LA. Um, so we, I feel very, very fortunate that we built something that could attract, like the round was way oversubscribed on day one, Wow! um, which was, you know, a real testament to, to how cool Taft is, oh. but, uh, I feel super fortunate and, and more than the money, the money will help fuel growth, but it's really about having like 20 people that want me to succeed and will help me succeed when I need them. And help you to pivot fast. I yeah. And that you can get a certain point, you have that success, and then you just, you stay there. Yeah, going from like zero to 10, 15 million, I think, uh, I know how to do that. But going beyond like 20, that I've never done that before. Uh, I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really helps to have guys that have done that lots of times and can help answer my questions and have teams of people that can answer my emails and calls when I need help. Yeah, I, they say that most companies, um, startups, they can never get past almost the $5 million mark. And once they do, it's like a 
a sprint to 10 million, but then like 10 million is the next. Yeah, and, that's, it's like, and I, I've kind of felt that as well. I, I, I heard people talk about that, but now I've actually seen what it looks like and it feels like. And so now it's going to be great to have people in our corner to push past like that 20, you know, the 20 million uh, revenue run rate, because that's a totally different thing than getting a business from zero to 5 million. Yeah. Now it's like it, the, everything is higher volume, revenue, expenses, everything is like way bigger and these guys can help. Yeah. So what's the vision? Cause some people could say, Corey, 20 million. That's a good lifestyle company. Like you can cruise, yes. right? Like, Other yeah. than the loneliness factor, like you're, you're set. Like you don't have to go find another job. You don't need to go seek out a 401k. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, but I, mean, I do there not has, feel that way. There has to be a vision for what, what you truly want to have to be. Yeah. I think that what we're trying to do is no longer about like, it's not about protecting any sort of value that I built for my family. It's like, no, like we have tens of thousands of customers that love this brand mm -hmm. and, and, um, want it to be something special. Like if you look at um, Bonobos, Bonobos is a recent example. They raised like $120 million and they sold to Walmart. And a lot of people were upset that they sold to Walmart yeah. because it's this great brand focusing on quality customer service and great fit, um, fit first kind of mentality. And then they sell to Walmart who, who doesn't seem like the natural, um, not successor quite yeah, yeah. Like, it kind of seems odd but i really followed that because i saw hundreds of people expressing their concern and their uh disappointment in that and so that told me that like we have i feel a loyalty to our customers to build something special and to build something great because they like it and and I, yeah, it's not about protecting, you know, okay, the, the business is worth X now. Like, let's just protect that and kind of let it, let it run its course and, and be financially stable personally. Now it's about like, oh, like we have a big audience. We have people that love our stuff and we have uh, a responsibility and duty to those customers. Like before social media, those customers, uh, you maybe interacted with a sales associate in a store, or maybe they were an email address on your website. But now I know hundreds of our customers because I interact with them on social media daily. Mm -hmm. Like I know them by name, I know where they live, I know some of them got divorced, I know some of them got married. Like I know these people now, and they're, they're more friends than they are customers. And so I do feel a responsibility to work hard and innovate and be successful for them too, because they feel like they're a part of this and they want to see TAF succeed as well. That's incredible responsibility. That has to be overwhelming. Sometimes. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a lot of weight, but that's why yeah. we hire a great team. And that's why we have great strategic advisors on our side so that we know how to do it and we can do it well. Yeah. That reminds me of Salesforce. They have the, the pledge one where you know, they encourage companies to become pledge one companies yep. and that you not only give back 1% of your revenue, but it's your time, your resources yeah. and all these things. And for us at 97th Floor, that was something that we were, we were all about because it was, we don't just wanna talk about these things. We don't just wanna be an entity that exists. Yeah. We want to be a legacy brand that takes care of employees, that takes care of clients, that takes care of community and that is such a pivot 
in someone's brain. Like it's, it yeah. still has to be business centric, but it's also you're shifting to people centric. Yeah. I think that it kind of reminds me of I mean, business culture and family culture is like very, very similar. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that, um, one of my family friends right now, they never bring their kids on vacation with them. They're young and it's easy to say like, Oh, they won't remember it or they won't appreciate Iceland or whatever, you know, but say it, the same goes for a company it, from struggling startup to like successful business it can happen like so fast that you don't notice it. And unless you start those types of practices early when things aren't easy, mm. you won't just magically do them when you hit X amount in revenue, you know, just like company culture. Like if you don't, you know, if you don't start those things when you're small, you're not just going to magically feel like doing them one day when you, when you're successful. Um, and so we, yeah, we, we have a lot of, you know, we're, we have a lot of followers on social media and we don't have any uh, official affiliation with a charity or organization like that. But we do, one thing that we have been really uh, put a lot of effort into is uh, raising mental health awareness on social media, um, which is super cool. And, yeah. and so even though we're still really small, we, we do try and pull our weight in, in giving back and, and being a force for good because if we don't do it now, then when we're a bigger business, it's gonna be even harder to give up all that money. You know, it's easy to do it now, and and we've we've definitely made it a priority. That is a huge truth bomb. Say <laughs> <laughs> to yeah to think about it early because I I I I don't think it's any easier to implement those things later. Yeah, it's definitely not as maybe genuine but yeah to infuse it into the core of the business so that every person you know it's the filter through which you put every person that you hire yeah you know it's that north star we were talking with rachel from uh chat books and she's like yeah we have our five point star. Mm -hmm. and she was saying that you know it's how we hire how we fire how we yeah. do business they have a north star and then they have their other points of the star but having a true north star uh it's helpful. Yeah, because then you know that everyone is on the same same path. Because yeah. even if you have one person or one set of people that are going this way, and it's just slightly off, yeah. eventually you'll end up yep. in different. Yeah, you different gotta corners. you gotta know, and you gotta stay focused, and you gotta have your compass as a business. And when something's not in line, you have to hire and fire quickly and, and execute because. You know that's one of your biggest assets as a brand or as a business it's like you got to know what you're trying to do and if you stray from that it could get really really tricky yeah so let's talk about a little bit about um finding those people whether you're hiring them whether they're mentors for you how do you find the people that you know align with your values What's part of that process? I, I'm still, this is still very early for me. Like I'm not, I don't claim to be good at this. Um, but, but a couple of things I've learned. We're putting everything, we're cementing yeah. it in stone from here on out. A couple out. of things I have learned. I, when I first started hiring people, I really cared about what they studied in school, what their past experience was, um, really caring about their resume. Mm -hmm. And now that I've hired and fired a lot of people, I put a priority on like who they are. Can I work with them? Do they make me happy? 
Um, are they friends? Do they have some sort of relationship with someone in the office? Like that often proves to be a better hire in my opinion than someone that is on, great on paper. Um, and so now I've kind of shifted my focus from caring about what's on the resume, their past experience to like, you know, let's like Shantae, go find like your best friend from high school. Like what's she doing? Is she good? Then let's get her in here because someone that has a relationship, some like, it's just cold, cold hires that you don't have any relationship with can be totally hit or miss. Whereas someone that's like a family friend or a, a past uh, classmate or a previous uh employee at a different company like just good people that can that are solid like you can learn anything like the internet i could hire a digital marketer that's never done digital marketing before mm -hmm. because you can just learn it but what you can't just learn or change is who they are and so i've i've really switched my focus from what the resume says to like who they are and and are they a great person and if so they can learn anything that we need to do here yeah, and if they're friends or family, you know where they live. Yeah. You find them. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's like... If they let you down. Yeah, it's true. Now, in terms of your leadership style, um, you know, how, how do you lead? How do you, I mean, in the moments where you have to be the boss mm. versus inspire, you know, and, and kind of empower people? Yeah. Again, this is very early for me. Um but I thankfully we haven't had too many times when I've had to like be, you know, I have to fire people and that's like the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, but I just try and be happy and energetic and, and bring like good vibes into the office. Uh, I very personal, like I'm a very personal, open, transparent. Like if I'm having a bad day, I don't care if people know. Like I don't, I don't put on any sort of face. Like I'm not always happy and okay. Like if, if I'm having a bad day or the business is struggling, everyone in the office will know. And I think that that honesty and transparency is, is really valuable mm -hmm. because um, it's important for your employees to know like what's going on and they won't sometimes they won't know unless you you tell them um but i try and i just try and be like a fun friend of a boss <laughs> like i i really like i i tell our employees that i love them mm -hmm. um i i care about them i think about them i worry about them um in in a, such a small startup the leadership and inspiration and those types of things aren't as important as just like being real, involving people, wrapping my arms around them and involving them. Um, we're still very early, very small. And I think that the time to like lead and inspire and my management style, it's not, we're not even there yet. Yeah. Like I don't even know what that's gonna look like because we only have nine people on our team. And so it's like a little crew of friends. You know, we can all, on Thursdays, right after this, we all go out to lunch at the same, at the same, we all, we drive in two cars, we're still only in two cars. And so um, until we're, you know, past 20, 30 employees, I don't really know what my management style looks like because it's not managing right now. Right. It's like working together. And that's very different, I think. Yeah, they say a lot of businesses fall into categories like the startup, the scale up, the ramp up, mm -hmm. and then 
the like, last phase is that leader up. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like you you have people. Sorry, can I stop real quick? It's just there's a branch that's like moving. Oh, like, <laughs> <shadow>. <laughs> like, no, I can I can see. Yeah, yeah, it like keeps like there's a bright bright light. Uh, um, the sun's coming off of that car. Quick <laughs> Uh, take two. Yeah, about being. Cool. You still only just have two cars. You yeah, two yeah, cars. We're, we're team lunches of two cars still. So. It's so it's team lunches. I miss those days actually. I love those days. Thursdays I wake up a little bit easier on Thursdays. Today we're lunch and bowling. Oh, oh. Yeah. This is a party day. For yeah. You. So we like we do lunch. Like last week we played cornhole. Uh huh. Um. This today we're going bowling. Uh, we're going to do one of those like flow rider, like the artificial wave things. Uh, so, I think I'm just I'm going with you then. Like you're welcome anytime. Okay. Yeah, Thursdays are great. <laughs> I I think that it like when I I used to live in New York and I worked at a company where every Friday we went to team lunch mm. and it made it just gave me something to look forward to every day. And so now we make Thursdays like great and and everyone looks forward to it and I think it just gives you something to help you through some of the slower days. Yeah, it's a camaraderie thing too, Yeah, for sure. I guess that would, considering culture, I mean, you're you're this stage of just very few people. Have you already thought about the type of culture you want to create? Uh, like, I've been very passive about it. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, just a year ago, or uh, like 14 months ago, it was still me and my wife from our house. And so we built, we built a sizable business from our home. And so you still can't really separate our family culture from the business of the culture of the business. And so it's still very much like our, our family culture is still so infused in the culture of the business. And so now as we grow the team, I can kind of feel culture feeling like this this thing that you do need to manage and you need to corral and you need to guide it. And so now we're being a lot more, it's something that I do think about. Right now I'm working on like a company, like our company values. Yeah. Or, or something, yeah, I don't know what to call it, but it'll be like these these things that will help guide us, kind of like we talked about, like Chapbook's five, star, five point star or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it hasn't been super intentional or purposeful or proactive, but now as the team grows, I do feel it needing to be harnessed. And so I am working on it. I don't know, our culture is like fun, like right now with the World Cup. I mean, the TV, everyone's just watching soccer all the time. <laughs> um, so we're very fun. We do lots of fun things. Um, we do know when to get work done. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that and outside of team launches on Thursdays, um, it's something that I'm actively thinking about right now. Yeah, and I do think like feeling like you're part of the family, that's culture. Yeah. Like feeling yeah, it that is. you're included, feeling that your decisions matter, that you matter, the work you do matters, and that the work that you do is fulfilling. I mean, if you can also watch soccer it's and get good, the work it's a good done. Job. Yeah, yeah, that's a good job. I would never like, want to work at a place where I couldn't watch sports. Yeah, so. I want to keep performing in order to retain like these perks. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I think that you you have tapped into a great culture. And definitely with us here at 97th Floor, there came a time when it was, we need more infrastructure around it. We need a structured plan. And that's where the results only work environment. We all went through a training process for that. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's row. 
and it means these things and it is a strong filter yeah for some people it's it's gold people thrive but for other people it's tough it's their undoing yeah yeah, yeah. my final question is in terms of your legacy what do you Corey, want to be remembered for it's 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 an it's an interesting question because legacy is a word that's probably used for people doing much bigger things than what i'm doing you're so honest um, no, no I'm, I'm serious like uh for me professionally i don't even think about that for me i want to be a great husband and a great father yeah i feel like you have shared those like that's uh that professionally legacy. like that's just not the most important thing Do in my good life. Stuff. It's like I want to, <laughs> like I I want to be able to build a brand that people love that that stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, be innovative. I want to be able to provide for all of our employees. Like I want to treat them great. I want to share in our successes with them. But for me, right now, my legacy. Uh, for me, it's it's all about my my family. Mm-hmm. Like professionally, I don't think about that that much. I think about making sure I keep my family first and spending enough time with my kids. Um, that's the legacy that matters most to me right now. And as long as we can build a brand that people love coming to work and they're taken care of, and we can provide for mothers and fathers and kids, and you know that's really special and that's a big responsibility. Um, I, I see Taft, you know, like if you look at just the logo, like the name and the logo, um, it could be next to Prada and Gucci and Taft and Louis Vuitton, you know, like it looks like it could be a real, uh, dynasty kind of brand. Uh And, uh, that's what's on my mind. That's where I'm trying to go. Um. But, but for you, that would be cool. Yeah, that personally, wouldn't be the end game. No, personally, uh, it's just about making sure that my kids have my time and attention, making sure that my relationship with my wife is my first priority before work. Um, that would be success to me. That is a good moniker. That is a good yeah. North it's, Star for you. I really yeah. believe that. It's yeah. not like uh, it's not like just words. Like I yeah. truly, that's what I. That's what I focus on each day. And uh, I'm sure our, our investors would, I don't know, I just. I've, been, I've interviewed some of your investors and, you know, I hear that more often that they're, it's like they've gone through the success of growing a business where they come out the other side of, you know, what is actually important to yeah. me are these things that, you know. Yeah. The Taft, I love Taft and I'm grateful for Taft and I work nonstop for it, but it's, it's just a business that sells shoes. They're cool shoes, yeah. but they're just shoes. It's not, we're not changing the world. We're not saving people's lives. And so for me, the focus is on my family and, and the people that we work with and, and their lives and making sure they have what they need. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's what's most important. Love it. Well, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a beautiful office. Thank Uh, you. Yeah, and it's been really fun getting to know you, getting to know the story, um, getting to hear about Mallory and just the part that she plays. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, 
when it makes sense, I would love to have both of you back. Yeah, just... she's she'll be way better than me. <laughs> she's <laughs> awesome. She's so great. And yeah, you were so great. So thank you again. And yeah, I look forward to our next conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode in the Mastermind interview series. If you did, don't forget to subscribe. You can also catch us at 97floor.com where we'll have show notes and links to resources along with the video interview for this episode. Or you can catch us on our YouTube channel where we have many more in-depth conversations and how-tos about all things digital marketing, business, culture, and thought leadership. Until next time.